opening the heart to the new day, the uh, pale, dim light of nighttime, the moon and the stars, slowly giving way to the, the rising sun, color, color and form coming back into the our perceptions. We simply bring attention to the cycles of day and night, a new day being born, like a new breath, an inhalation being born, a day arises. Feeling arises, a thought. Swells up into being, does its thing, and then fades away. Whether it's a breath, a day, or a lifetime. For that which knows birth and death is not tied to birth and death. say the sun rises, but from the sun's point of view, it's not rising. It's just doing its thing. It's because of the spinning of the earth, we call it the sunrise. But from the sun's point of view, it's not going anywhere. Or similarly, if we shift our perspective, we no longer attach to all of the, the births and deaths, the successes and failures, the springs and autumns. Let go of that habit of grasping, identification. Then the heart abides in the, the position of the the sun, central, bright, radiant, unwavering. Of course, all analogies are partial, imperfect. We can say, oh yeah, but the sun is moving. spinning, whirling through space, but for the purpose of this image. We take the sun as a symbol of our own wisdom, absolutely pure with ocean-like compassion. The wisdom, the awareness of your own heart, That's what has the central position, isn't it? If there is a taking refuge in Buddha, being that awareness.
the, the planets and asteroids, the moons, all spin around, circle around. They come and go and change and modulate. But that which is at the center is vast, steady, bright. And all the comings and goings happen around that. So just as we say, if we attach to the surface of the earth, the sun rises and sets. We say, we are born and we die. But if we let go of that attachment to the body, to the personality, let go of the surface of the earth and take the position of the, the sun, the sun of wisdom, then what's the difference between the birth of a breath or a thought, the ending of a thought, or a breath or a sound? What's the difference between the perception of a body being born and a body dying? A breath being born, a breath dying. A sound, a word being born, then dying. Our heart knows there is no difference. How could there be? Or the letting go of attachment to the body, to personality, to feelings of I am, letting go of self, not creating an identification, an individuality, an I, letting go of self, not creating bondage to the feeling of self, letting go of sense of location, letting go of the feeling of place, recognizing, awakening to the fact that awareness, the mind is fundamentally unlocated. Non-locality is the nature of the mind. It does not exist fixed in any one place. Space does not apply in the realm of the mind, the nama khandas, and the quality of, of awareness. Here, there, everywhere, nowhere. Awareness does not apply. Let go of self, let go of place, and then letting go of time also. The 
in the Badekarata Sutta, the Buddha describes the ideal abiding, the ideal solitude. One who is wise lets go of thoughts of the past, lets go of creations, thoughts about the future. Let's go of creations about the self here in the present moment. This is the ideal solitude, the ideal abiding, the ideal security of the here and now, the Pachupana Dhamma. When the heart rests in this quality of wisdom, being that aware, vicha, knowing, attentive to this reality, this present reality, there is that letting go of time. Conditioned mind, habituated to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, tends to see the past as a solid reality stretching off into the infinite behind us. It creates a future stretching off infinitely ahead of us in dates we are still to come to, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, real dates, real months, days. And the present seems like an insignificant little sliver squashed between a vast and incalculable past and future back to the Big Bang and beyond, off into the infinite possibilities of what's to come. But this, this seems like this insignificant, nothing very much, little thread, little sliver, this tiny, unimportant moment between a vast past and a vast future. This is our conditioned perception of time. But if there is wisdom, we bring attention to the felt experience moment by moment. The felt known experience of this life as a watching and knowing of how the world is formed, how life is experienced, shaped. Then we see the, the past is a memory constructed here and now. The future is an imagined fantasy fabricated here and now. 
future, past. They're just words or ideas referring to formless potentialities. Those concepts are generated here, now. The image of the past, the memory, arises here, now. The imagined future is known, here, now. And the closer we look, the closer it is seen that the present is actually a vast, infinite plane of, uh, of being. And it's the future and the past, the, the insignificant little threads dangling in the breeze like broken spider webs. Nothing very much at all. the absolute reality of Dhamma. The very fabric of nature is here now. Dhamma is here and now, Pachupanna. Sanditiko, apparent here and now, Akaliko, timeless. There's never any other moment than this moment. It's interesting that the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, had two gods of time. There's Kronos, who was the god of linear time, represented by a, an infinite straight thread stretching from infinity in the past to infinity in the future. Kronos is the god of linear time, of the changing seasons, coming and going of day and night in the turning year. But Kairos was the, the god of the present moment, the time of the present moment. And that quality of Kairos was represented as an infinite plane through which the thread of through which the thread of of Kronos passes, like an infinite sheet, a vast, incalculably broad plane, through which the thread of linear time passes. And this present moment is where the, the infinite plane of Kairos and the, the infinite thread of Kronos meet each other. This moment where time and timeless meet. Uh, T.S. Eliot had a, a wonderful uh, expression for this in his 
four quartets in the dry salvages said men's curiosity searches past and future and clings to that dimension but to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time is an occupation for the saint no occupation either but a lifetime's death in love, ardour, selflessness and self-surrender. No occupation either, but something given and taken. Something received, something given. In a lifetime's death in love, ardour, selflessness and self-surrender. This is a, a poetic way of speaking <coughs> to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time is an occupation for the saint or for the average Buddhist meditator. So this is what we're doing, isn't it? Gathering here, 5.30, morning chanting, 6.07 and 43, 44 seconds, time, linear time, meeting this moment, intersecting with the infinity of the Akaliko Dhamma, the timeless Dhamma. Sanditiko, apparent here and now. Pachupana. <coughs> to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time. Conditioned and the unconditioned. This is the task, isn't it? Moment by moment, day by day. The meeting of the, the time-bound with the timeless. The attributes of self, this body, this personality, this name, this role in society, who I am, the room I live in, my role as a retreatant, as a monastic, as a listener, as a speaker, as personal qualities meeting the fundamentally non-personal. The world of space, sitting in my spot, here on the central cushion. You in your spot, your mat, your place. The realm of three-dimensional location, meeting the non-locality, the unlocated quality of mind.
This is the task, isn't it? To attend to this meeting point of self and not self. Time and timelessness. Place and placelessness. This is the mysterious middle way where we're respecting both of those realities. If there's a clinging to the unconditioned or the formless, then there's a loss of harmony, a loss of attunement to the realm of form. If there's a clinging to the realm of form, identity and time and place, then there's a loss of attunement to the fundamental timeless reality. The middle way is to attend to both, to the meeting point, mysterious balancing point of the conditioned and the unconditioned, the created and the uncreated. Well, the word that the Buddha coined to refer to himself is Tathagata. And this is composed of two parts, Tat, or Tata, and Agata, or Gata. So the word Tat, or Tata, means thus, or such. The word Gata, means to go. Agata means to come. So when you put the two together, you get Tathagata. And for centuries, millennia, there's been a debate. Did the Buddha mean Tat-Agata? Come to suchness? Come to thusness? One who is totally here? Or did he mean Tathagata, one who has gone to suchness, utterly gone, transcendent. Is the Buddha principle totally here or totally gone? Is it immanent, embedded, embodied in the, the living world, the sense world? Or is it totally transcendent, beyond, unentangled? In Pali, the A at the beginning of a word means it's negative. So, gatta is to go, agata to come. So, what did the Buddha mean? Why did he choose this word to refer to himself? Totally here or totally gone? Well, the Buddha was very fond of word plays, double meanings. And uh, it seems that he chose this word, coined this word, deliberately because of its ambiguity. It means both, totally here and totally gone. Utterly immanent, fully attuned to the sense world, to earth, water, fire and wind, but giving them no footing, 
utterly transcendent, unentangled. So the Buddha principle, fully and totally, harmoniously participates in the sense world, attuned to earth, water, fire and wind, to conditionality, to sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, emotion. Completely attuned, heartfully in harmony with all things, and yet is completely transcendent of all things, utterly unentangled, simultaneously, without conflict, without confusion, without division, totally here, totally gone. Heartfully participating and totally equanimous. Unidentified, unattached. Out of the thinking mind, this can seem bewildering, mind boggling. But the heart knows that middle way. We know that point of intersection. The heart knows that. It knows the middle way. So we train ourselves to trust that. This is the occupation for the for the retreatment, for the same. Something given and taken. Something received. Something given. Giving our attention to this moment. Receiving the gift of this moment. The gift of Dhamma. Letting go of self. Giving our attention. Receiving the presence of the reality of Dhamma itself in a lifetime's death in love, ardor selflessness and self-surrender And just like the left eye and the right eye, when they operate functionally in a balanced way, it gives us a sense of the 3D world. So too, the eye which sees the conditioned and the eye which sees the unconditioned. Together, they give us a, a realistic orientation in the world of form in, in the world of the formless. Sustaining, maintaining a respect for both realities. This, this is what orients the heart. 
helps us to know, to sustain that middle way. Being that middleness itself. The thinking mind can flounder and be bewildered. But we don't have to figure it out. Balancing, like on a bicycle or a tightrope, is not a conceptual activity. It's a whole body learning. Oh, finding the middle way is not a conceptual activity. It's a whole body, a whole being, learning, training. And when we find that point of balance, and there is that middle way embodied, present, no. This is the great delight of the heart. There's a great quality of freedom, spaciousness. We can really enjoy our life. In the verses of, of Hui Neng, the sixth patriarch of the Chan Buddhist school of China, he said, In this moment, there is no thing that comes to be. In this moment, there is no thing that ceases to be. Thus, in this moment, there is no birth and death to be brought to an end. Therefore, this moment is the absolute peace. And though it is just this moment, there is no limit to this moment. And herein is eternal delight. In this moment, there is no thing that comes to be. In this moment, there is no thing that ceases to be. Thus, in this moment, there is no birth and death to be brought to an end. Therefore, this moment is the absolute peace. And though it is just this moment, there is no limit to this moment. And herein is eternal delight. <laughs> 